Brotherhood, multiplication, restoration. We are Sin Network. We're a family, planting churches together. Join us as we hear from leaders of this movement from across North America and discover what it really takes to plant churches everywhere for everyone. I am here with Ed Kang live at live in Phoenix at the Sin <laughs> Network gathering here in the West. Ed, this is your first time here. Yeah. I didn't, you know, in California, we just think California is the West. <laughs> yeah, you know, that's interesting because I thought it was, you know, Pacific Standard Time, but no. it's actually mountain. Yeah. So I was, so we were both off geographically. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's good. It's good. Grace Point Church. How many of them do you have across oh, North man. America? Yeah, so I had to look that up uh, for this. It's 18 churches, and then each church serves um, sometimes a couple of college campuses, so we're on 34 college campuses. Oh, and, and that is all people who have been raised up indigenously. Yeah. From yeah. within. Yeah. And then and so you've sent them out. You know, that's a lot of leaders. Do they Are they all connected with, with your work in San Francisco? Yeah, you know, um, still, I think mostly they have so far still originated from our Berkeley church, but then out of our earlier church plants, they're now starting to send out leaders. Okay. So I think- So out you're of, a granddaddy. Um, yeah, oh yeah. I think the Austin church, the Riverside yeah. church, so that, so that second generation is starting to happen. Okay, yeah. well that's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. So have you always just had that vision, that dream? To do that, how did how did that come about? Um, I think um, actually this this is a topic that's close to my heart because people think like, wow, you know, you must have really had a vision for church planting or, you know, a heart for the lost. And I think that's all true, but really, when it comes down to it, it's this sense of I'm raising up guys who you know, like like you preach the gospel, you know, they become Christian, mm -hmm. uh, you raise them up, and then what's next? Yeah. You know, and uh, everybody wants, needs a path, you know, otherwise called a dead end, right? So what's next? And I got to a point where I realized, like, I think it was in my late 30s, you know, I was like, you know, in that stage, you're, you're testing your strength and what you can do. And then I looked at all these guys and I was the bottleneck. I was the ceiling. Mm -hmm. And like, what's next for you isn't that you're just going to be like under me, mm -hmm. uh, you know, and what's next for you isn't that because you have all this capacity, you're gonna like build your career. And so because of my heart for the first generation of guys I was raising, I said, no, what's next for you is you're gonna duplicate, you know, what I went through, mm. but as long as I'm around, you're not gonna get to do that. Yeah. And so that was what it was. It was very person-centric. It was, it was that guy and that guy, and I wanted to see them out there sort of, you know, stretching their wings and, yeah. And, and doing the scary thing of planting churches. And so I think if I really kind of dug down to the core, for me, it was that personal yeah. regarding what I wanted to see happen in their lives. That's what I love about you. I mean, it's one is the passion that you have for raising up from within. The people is just kind of like having that, that the desire to see what's best for the people. And so that's one. The second mm -hmm. one, is this idea of like not wanting to cap them, wanting to get off. Every time I'm talking to you, it seems like, oh, I need to get out their way. Like I'm the one who's <laughs> slowing them down. It is like, you're like awesome. You're, yeah. you're not slowing them down, but 
But that's what you have to do. When you talk about leading leaders, mm-hmm. you know, that is that the, the the heart that you have, I think, is critical to do it. Do you think that's something that is kind of natural to you, or is it something that has that you have cultivated over the years? Um I think it's for me. It's it's a combination of just strategic thinking and uh, and kind of personal. Um, I um, I'm I'm just kind of shy about me being some big leader, mm-hmm. you know, and um, I I really think that if guys are gonna grow at the rate that they should be growing, I need to be growing way faster. Mm-hmm. You know, there's just something about like we experienced this with our youth kids. You know, they're like slow to move and always griping about this or that. And then they go to Cambodia and they're preaching and they're doing awesome things because, you know, all the teachers are gone. It's like maybe mm-hmm. one chaperone out there, you know? And so as long as, and maybe it's an Asian culture thing, as long as there's somebody in authority in the room, I think just, just that fact has a subtle shrinking effect on them. Uh, but it's not about, sim- it's, it's not the simplistic thing of me getting out of the way. Cause I think, but that's easy to say, and you know, um, I, th- I think it's harder. Is is what I try to do is get really busy um, clearing the forest. Mm. You know, okay. Um, it, it's a sense that we're this little farm, and, and and we're surrounded by forests, and I need to clear the forest mm. and, and so that people can see further. And and so it's sort of creating an environment in which leaders can just emerge. Yeah. And I don't think I've ever said. Like, okay, I've got my eyes on that guy, you know, like, oh, he's got a le- he's got leadership mm-hmm. potential. Um, I think that's fraught with subjectivity and you're you're mm-hmm. likely to miss that. And I think what's what's really um the best scenario is you create an environment in which guys will get multiple reps yeah. uh, trying to because in college ministry this is simpler. Yeah. Because every fall, like like one quarter of the campus arrives and we send these guys out there and it's sort of like a church planting experience. You know, within our own church, they go out to campus and they have a team and they motivate the team and execute on ministry plans to grab, you know, hopefully unchurched uh, freshman guys and get them engaged, get them saved, get them raised up in four mm-hmm. years. And if they and so if I create an environment where a lot of that can happen, then some of those guys are going to say, I want to do this for the rest of my life and they'll have fruit. And, and they'll have a track record. So if, as you have been getting into church planning, what does it look like for you as a leader to clear the forest or create an environment for leaders? What are some practical things or some principles that you use to kind of with that mentality? Well, again, I, I just feel like I, I'm just so spoiled being in this, in this beautiful niche of collegiate church planting mm-hmm. uh, that um, I, I frankly think that everybody should get in on. Uh, but it's easy because uh, it's about, well, but I think it's about being in a huge school. Right, but but there's lots of people who are doing college ministry that are mm-hmm. not doing the type and seeing the type of reproduction that mm-hmm. you see. Mm-hmm. So there is a level of what you said, that you're clearing mm-hmm. the forest, you're creating that environment. So, like, what are those things that you're doing, mm-hmm. that you're doing specifically to clear the forest? Um, I think, um, yeah. So I suppose a collegiate ministry too can be led in a, in a like top leader genius with a, with assistance um, model. Um, what, what I've tried really hard to do is um, like, I think I was in my late thirties when I stopped teaching college students. Okay. 
even though I felt like I was at the peak of my game, I said, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to break it, break it up. Mm -hmm. And so just keep breaking up so it doesn't become a multi-layered pyramid. Um, I don't want that for myself, you know, leading in that kind of institutional way so that they keep getting the reps of doing something like reaching out to some guy around the dining hall uh, or a basketball court and then bringing them. And when they when when they do the ministry like that, either as as upperclassmen in college or in our case, a lot of times just a few years out of college and they go back into the campus and they do this, then um, I think they just have this notion that like, I want to be doing this. Mm-hmm. And and then we sort of reach sort of a saturation point at, at a particular campus. We'll identify the next campus. Yeah. Like, let's go there. So far for us, it's been large public okay. schools. Okay. And so let's go there. And we take scouting trips. And, and you know, once they get on and they meet students, uh, they're like, okay, I want to come here. And then there's a language within our church of, hey, let's, like, none of us should be here in five years. You know, we should yeah. be out there. Planting churches. So, I mean, so you're literally going out. Instead of, you said earlier, you're not necessarily looking for, oh, that's a leader or that's a leader because that's mm-hmm. subjective. But there is a kind of a, a mission that you're going out. Where's our next plant? Where's our mm-hmm. next place? Mm-hmm. And you're, you know, you're doing, you're clearing it in that way. Yeah. You're creating opportunities for people, for God to call more to go to the field. And you're kind of saturating it back at home base. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm-hmm. I, I love that. And so... And what else, the other thing that you stated in it that I love was you said you were at the top of your game in, <laughs> in the late 30s, the top of your game. But while you were at the top of your game, you was like, I still need to clear the way. I need to step down and provide other opportunities. Yeah. What do you, what do you, what did you move to? I mean, do you go somewhere else? What, I mean, what do you do instead of? Well, that? in our particular case at that time in our, in our main ministry, flagship ministry at Berkeley, um, our main uh, sort of, uh, um, a large group like point of entry was what we call the Friday night Bible study. It was a big, the Bible study was in the middle, there was dinner and there was fun activity afterwards and we'd drag them through the Bible study so they attend the, the fun activity. And that was a winning formula for a while. And so that was, I think, the most critical teaching uh, slot. Yeah. And I broke it up into two and, and, and two guys teach and I just did the Sunday. Okay. So I was still teaching. Um, I think my, my biggest teaching is just to the staff. Okay. And by staff, I mean lay staff, because we don't have a whole lot of paid staff. But yeah, those are the guys that, that I usually teach. And um, I think um, we start kind of pitching the, the vision early on, um, even to undergrads, because if you're in the college environment, even college students are just kind of there for the quote unquote college experience. And, you know, they're but I, I think a lot of them have a deep sense of problem with their generation. And so when we pitch this this vision, like, hey, like what you're experiencing here, they need it at every college campus in the country. They get it right away. Hmm. And then college students, you know, they they form friends by their peer class, you know, class of whatever. And if you lay on top of that 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 friendship and the forging experience and the intense experience the college experience can be, and then you just you just plant a vision in that group. And they want to go as a friend group, yeah. you know, like guys who want to do something crazy together. Right. And so that's how U Chicago was started in 2018. Uh, it was a class of 2015 guys. And they said, hey, before any of us get, gets married, let's do something crazy. Let's go to Chicago and start a ministry in this like elite hard campus. And so seven guys, just single guys, got two apartments in Hyde Park and 
and just started and now they have about 30 students. Man. So with so you talk about in Chicago and you're in lots of other places, Rutgers, mm-hmm. you're in other places and other places and 18, is it a one size fit all? Like when you're talking about leading these leaders, mm-hmm. is it like you spend equal amount of time at each one of these places, equal amount of time with each one of these leaders? I know that there have to be some leaders that require more time and some less time. How do you differentiate between that and how do you kind of divide up your time in leading so many different leaders? Oh man, I'm, I'm not very systematic at all. Um, well, one thing we do is we have a thing called a monthly pause and that's probably gonna have to move to less than a monthly, but uh, every month we get everybody together. Mm-hmm. So all the, the team leads, we come together for three days every month. So definitely I'm getting FaceTime with everybody. So and, you, they literally fly in to mm-hmm. a, a location yeah. once a month, okay? Yeah, so then we split that up last time into East Coast and West Coast because the flight times just back and forth. So, so then Kelly and I went to the East Coast and met with all the East Coast people. Um, I think, um, yeah, you know, like I'm not really good at that, uh, about keying in on each individual person and providing sort of coaching. Uh, I, think, well, I think what I'm better at is like creating the environment and throwing them out there and hopefully, you know, they'll grow into it. <laughs> no, no, and I think that's, that's wisdom. I think there's a lot of wisdom in that because like for me, usually when someone asks me, hey, how will you mentor me or will you coach mm. me? I was just, I usually say, I don't do anything one-on-one. Yeah. I like to do it in groups yeah. because it's more than just simply building off of me. It's like when you get that peer-to-peer um, dynamic Yeah, and for us, it's on. couples. It's, it's by couples. For yeah. us, it's like the husband and wife have to be on, on the same page. And a lot of our times we do uh, what we call group marriage therapy, you know, like, mm-hmm. Hey, what's going on? What's hard? What's hard about leading together? And, you know, so, uh, yeah, we do everything in course. So you, and so you do this once a month. Are they themed? Mm-hmm. Like, do you know what you're going to be talking about each time? Or is it, or is it just kind of like, we know what we're going to talk at? about like before, before it arrives, but usually there's not, no set curriculum. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, there just seems to be like a theme uh, for the, for, for like what we're grappling with. Mm-hmm. One of the things that we're grappling with, we do a lot of tear sheeting and try to like figure things out. Sometimes we'll read a book like Team of Teams and say, how does this apply to us? But one of the things that we're grappling with now, I think a lot of church leaders are grappling with, is uh, just people aren't showing up to live events anymore because mm-hmm. every everything comes to them, you know? Yeah. And so um, the, the same methods yielding uh, poorer results. And so how can we kind of, um, you know, regroup and retool uh, so, you know, and, and their social anxiety, so they don't like large, noisy groups. And so our attractional model needs to be kind of um, re- like re-engineered in some way. So we've been grappling with that. So, okay, let's take that. Like mm-hmm. people are not showing up for live events anymore. This is a topic that you have and you're going in, you're having one of your monthly meetings, right? Mm-hmm. Do you kind of set the agenda, you know, for that? Or do you, like how, allow me to be a fly on the wall mm-hmm. in for that weekend. Like, what does that weekend look like as you, you're leading these leaders? Um, well, you know, we have like a, a getaway house, so it's sort of like a, a, a retreat. Um, we cook together, we, we eat meals, we sit around the table. Um, people kind of know in advance what's, what sort of things we're going to talk about, and they come kind of armed with the information and observations, and, and we say it's like, it's like, like connecting the dot uh, experience where mm-hmm. everybody has a dot and they don't 
know the rest of the dots and we all kind of bring it together and maybe something will emerge. Mm -hmm. So when we're in, in, in our kind of problem solving mode, it's sort of like that. And uh, you know, I'll introduce the problem. Um, we'll have um, what we do think, write and share. Uh, everybody sort of writes their own piece for okay. like five minutes. We share, we'll group them up and sometimes by single gender, sometimes like different groupings, people will grapple with the issue, come up with a couple of solutions and it's iterative like that. Okay. So that's, that's, that's like some of our sessions are like that. Other sessions are, you know, a lot more um, uh, just, just going through scripture together, mm -hmm. praying together. Yeah. So it varies. That, that's, that's, man, that's powerful. So gotta ask, I mean, like, is that, is the mother church funding everyone to come in or each church individually got to buy, you know, buy the tickets? Like how are, how are, how are you doing? I'm doing we're, that. We're, we're funding. So we're not, we're technically uh, all separate churches, but mm -hmm. I think we're, we're probably something like a, a multi-site really mm -hmm. in how we function. Yeah. So um, we pool funds, uh, we support the church plans and, and all the travel comes out of a central fund. Okay. And we made a decision early on, man, we are not gonna skimp on travel yeah. because relationships are so important and it's That's lonely so. out there. So the monthly pause time, it's like, they, they, they like seeing each other way more than I think just like our time, like the mm -hmm. content of it. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it just doesn't matter what the content is. It's just coming together. And, and how many years have you been doing that? The monthly pause? Um, since 2017, is when we first started on the East Coast. We're all only on the West Coast. Yeah. And 2017, we sent 150 some people across five cities in the East Coast from New Jersey to North Carolina yeah. and Pittsburgh. And so when that happened, we knew, oh, okay, so we really gotta come together, yeah. figure this out. I, I love that it's hard to do that, but you said you value something more. Yeah. You value relationship, not gonna skimp on travel. And that's one of the things that those are the, the types of decisions that you have to make. Yeah. You know, what are what are some other hard decisions that you have to make as you think about leading leaders and even as you think about the next five years for you, you know, and as you're starting to get granddad, grandbabies mm -hmm. and great grandchildren, like how is that gonna impact what you're doing? What what's what's hard is when to um when to say, hey, this isn't working. Um, because the flip side of creating an environment and seeing what will rise up is um, people do rise up and you're, th you're thinking, okay, well, it's doing well here. They're, they're going to do well out there. Uh, but sometimes they don't, yeah. you know, it's, it's very kind of situational. Yeah. And so when do I say that, um, you know, like, Hey, I think, um, you know, you, sh you should step down from that role yeah. and we want to make that um, as painless and as, you know, like, loving as possible mm -hmm. and, uh, and and find a, a role for them that's gonna be you know very significant and um, to take the sting of shame out of that yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, I think that's, that's really hard. Yeah. Um, you know on the other hand, I don't want to like be too selective and so elitist uh, because we have a mismatch in the rate of people who are willing to go, mm -hmm. you know but but they're troopers, you know and then the people who can lead that team yeah and I, so then we err on the side of like, okay, these guys want to go, like you're experienced, you have a relationship with these guys, why don't you try to lead them? You know, we err on that side mm -hmm. because otherwise things get backed up, Yeah. you know, and uh, there's a certain rate at which this has to happen. Otherwise, when things get backed up, then people start to lose the vision. Yeah. 
you yeah. know. Final question is real quick. I just want to know your life next five years. What do you see as you continue to lead leaders? What do you see your role morphing to? Um, so right now, Berkeley, you know, the, the mothership is is um, big and, and um, I need to start thinking about succession before other people think about succession, you know, before I start slurring my words, you know. Mm -hmm. So uh, I think next five years, I, we're going to have to leave Berkeley for somewhere else and uh we're gonna have to um set up uh, like a jedi council somewhere else mm -hmm. and and modularize berkeley okay so that's my big challenge yeah um and uh, I, th I think the our, our system is over dependent on berkeley berkeley's over dependent on me at kelly mm -hmm. so then to to break that down and and make a smooth transition to what's next yeah. and what's next is a little vague uh, it's not that clear otherwise we be making steps to get there. So that's what we got to figure out. Man. Yeah. Well, there's always a place for you in Atlanta. There's a couple of colleges <laughs> there, a couple yeah. of places. Oh, so man. Yeah, Georgia you, Tech. There's always, there's always a home. Georgia there's Tech, every home UGA. Yeah, so, oh, yeah. We, we got our sights set on those. Man, I really appreciate you. Thank you for to sharing this. I mean, leading leaders is something that you do, and, and just your humility is just, it blows me out every time. So thank you. Been a pleasure. Thanks, Daddy. <laughs> You have been listening to We Are Sin Network, a resource of the North American Mission Movement. For more information about today's podcast and other relevant resources, visit sendnetwork.com.